Hi everyone, welcome back to Poetry Moments, our series revolving around the defining moments of literature. Don't worry, this won't be a lengthy history lesson you sleep through, but rather you'll be enthralled during this podcast regarding the history and influence of John Keats, the extraordinary English poet. From the beginning of his journey to the end, get ready for an exhilarating podcast about John Keats. So let's start off by introducing ourselves. Hi, my name is Sanjana. I'm Navia. My name is Ramandeep. And I'm Rajbir. John Keats was an English poet known for his connections to real-world experiences through vivid imagery as well as an intellectual outlook. Although he had a significant influence on other writers, his work mainly became popular after he passed away and greatly influenced the art created in the Victorian era. So, let's take a look at his early life and how he developed into the exceptional writer that stands as an influential figure even to this day. John Keats was born on October 31, 1795 in London, England. His family consisted of his mom, Frances Jennings, and his three younger siblings, George, Thomas, and Frances Marie. His dad, Thomas Keats, started off as a hall hostler at the Swan and Hoop Inn. Later on, however, he went on to become the manager of the stable and was able to provide for the family solely with this one job. In 1803, Keats was sent to John Clark School in England as its curriculum was more progressive and advanced compared to other institutions. Here, his interest in classical studies and history grew immensely. He also became friends with Charles Cowden Clark, who was the headmaster's son. Soon, Charles became a mentor figure for Keats as he introduced him to different Renaissance writers, which was the start of Keats' interest towards poetry. Sadly, short after this, in 1804, Keats' father died in a horse riding accident without leaving a will. His mother remarried almost immediately, but this marriage did not work out. The children then ended up moving to live with their grandmother at Edmonton. Keats, although devastated by this tragic incident, slowly overcame it as he directed all his energy into the pursuit of academic excellence to such an extent that in the midsummer of 1809, he won his first academic prize. Unfortunately, not long after suffering from his father's loss, in 1809, Keats' mother died of tuberculosis, and Richard Abbey and John Sandal were appointed his new guardians. That same year, Keats moved on to become an apprentice to surgeon and apothecary Thomas Haymond, who was a doctor in his mother's side of the family. Set on this career path, Keats lived in the attic above Haymond's practice until 1813. Once he finished his apprenticeship with Haymond, Keats enrolled as a medical student at Guy's Hospital in 1815. His job here, however, came with huge responsibilities and was very time-consuming as he had to assist senior surgeons at the hospital during surgeries. As a result, this job hindered his creative output and caused significant distress, yet he still pushed through. Finally, in 1816, he received his apothecary license, which allowed him to become a professional surgeon. However, he realized that this job was not right for him as he had an ambition for poetry and hence decided that he would pursue this career and follow his passion in life. Next, I will be passing it on to Navia to discuss the main aspects of John Keats' life, including his poetic career and accomplishments. Now that we have taken a look at the journey of John Keats in his early life, let's focus on the standpoint of John Keats during his poetic career. Indeed, life took several sharp turns in that of John Keats. In particular, becoming a poet to persevere and achieve your dreams is not at all effortless. Just like Thomas Edison's assertion states, genius, 1% inspiration and 99% perspiration. Similarly, John Keats started with inspiration from Charles Cowden Clark, who introduced him to Leigh Hunt, a man who had an interest in bringing the talent of others into the spotlight. Hunt brought attention to the concept of politics to Keats and later became his first publisher. 
Through the varied insight John received from his peers, he wrote his first mature sonnet in 1816 called On the First Looking into Chapman Homer. This wonderfully focused on the power of figurative literature, especially since literature was considered an outlet between the real world and fantasy then. Gradually, life started to change for John Keats in 1817, as his undying passion for poetic literature was tremendously increasing. The reason being he published more work, such as his first book called Poems in 1817, mainly inspired by the concept of hunting. This is ideally the aspect of a prey being captured and chased by a predator, or a notorious poet chasing with power an abstruse poet. As time progressed, Keats started to improve. Thus, he authored another poem. Thirdly, Keats decided to take advantage of the surroundings in the 19th century, revolutionizing the idea of romanticism. For instance, he wrote a poem called Endymion. Originally in Greek mythology, there is a story revolving around the love of the moon goddess named Selene for Endymion. However, Keats decided to focus on Endymion's love, as he believed in unity of love from both perspectives. Criticism, Downs in 1818 With much despair in the summer of 1818, John Keats was exposed to the troubling disease tuberculosis. Nonetheless, the challenges did not cease there, because on his return to England, he was bombarded with strict criticism. To elaborate, his piece Endymion received daunting criticism in the Quarterly Review, alongside judgment towards his earlier poems in the Blackwoods magazine. But he was resilient by handling the situation composedly and further focusing on his poetry. Consequently, he decided to write a piece titled Isabella, regarding social barriers and status in the realms of love. This piece was elicited in allowing Keats to craft intellectual work. In fact, Keats' literature represented a fondness of replacing splendor with core experiences. In the essence of his stepbacks, he put a halt on his writing. After he resumed his work, he authored a vastly popular poem called Ode to Nightingale, which was based on immortality and pessimism, including six total odes. This highlighted his troubling encounters, with a loss of hope. Even so, due to the prospect of his financial crisis, he generated less poetry. That is when, in 1820, he started to develop further symptoms of tuberculosis. Alas, John Keats passed away at the age of 25, leaving his dreams behind. As we progress, I will now be handing it over to Ramandeep to discuss the impact John Keats left in the lives of those admiring poetry. Contrary to popular belief, John Keats was not a well-known poet in his own era while he was alive. In fact, his poems were belittled in the media and didn't sell many copies. However, his popularity grew rapidly as he became a well-known poet over the course of approximately four years. His success after he had passed away is greatly owed to the fact that his fellow poets and admirers worked to keep his name alive. For instance, he was friends with another famous poet, Percy B. Shelley, who wrote an elegy about him. This poem is called Adonai, an elegy on the death of John Keats, and as this piece of poetry became popular, John Keats did as well because people wanted to learn more about the subject of the poem. In terms of the influence of John Keats, his work impacted more art created in the Victorian era rather than the Romantic era because that was when he was more popular. For instance, the early poetry written by Victorian poet Alfred Lord Tennyson is believed to have been influenced by Keats as it's written in the same style as his poetry. Additionally, a group of Victorian era painters called the Pre-Raphaelites based their art off of Keats's work as well. For example, 
They use Lorenzo and Isabella from Keats's poem, Isabella or the Pot of Basil, in their paintings, and they created artwork regarding their interpretations of the Eve of St. Agnes, another one of his works. The importance of John Keats's influence on romantic poetry includes adapting the use of the Horatian Ode, invented in 65 BC, to write some of his most famous works, such as Ode to a Nightingale. An ode focuses on the use of imagery to convey the author's message, and Keats wrote six odes during the Romantic period. After writing the Ode to Psyche, he sent a letter to his brother detailing a new poetic form that he aspired to create. He stated, I have been endeavoring to discover a better sonnet stanza than we have. The legitimate does not suit the language well, from the pouncing rhymes. The other appears too elegiac, and the couplet at the end of it has seldom a pleasing effect. Through his work with odes, he hoped to implement a new type of lyrical poem that was shorter and more rhythmic than the typical sonnet stanzas during his time. Overall, his work and style continue to influence the generations that came after him, and Rajbir will carry on to discuss how John Keats was able to impact others through his literary theories. Now that we have heard about his early life, career, and his influence, we can look at the famous term he used, negative capability. It was a theory also spoken about as a literary device which is created by John Keats, which is a writer's ability to accept uncertainties, mysteries, doubts, without any irritable reaching after fact and reason, described by John Keats in an 1817 letter that he wrote to his brothers George and Tom. Another definition of this term is be capable of limiting one's own personality in order to imaginatively to enter into that of another person, or in extreme cases, an animal or an object. One of the many reasons he created and slash or used this term is because he wanted to find beauty in this often ugly and terrible world in a short 25 years. Keats' description of negative capability can be compared to the definition of conflict, an emotional state char char characterized by indecision, restlessness, uncertainty, and tension resulting from incompatible inner needs or drives of comparable intensity. Both of these are similar, but the concept described by Keats seemed to be more positive and full of potential. The word negative in negative capability is not to be used in a derogatory way, but to relay the idea that an individual's potential can be defined by what he or she does not process. He only used the term once, which was in his letter, but he also had poems that were describing negative capability without using the term. In most of his poems, negative capability was grounded in humility, waiting, opening, being with process. This capability um, eschews grasping and holding our greediness in relation to what we think is ours to control. One of the poems, named Ode to a Nightingale, speaks about musings on mortality and how there's no real solution on how to deal with the anxieties of forthcoming death. The poem carries a darker tone, leading to Keats rejecting an optimistic viewpoint. It makes you experience the imaginative manif manifestations of Keats' fear which has no real satisfying conclusion except knowing that he can capitulate to the things he fears at the end. In another poem, there are numerous questions that regard the figures displayed on an urn, which utilize only Keats' imagination to contemplate about the scenes that the poetry is depicting. He has a one-sided conversation with inanimate art while leaving open-ended questions because of his curiosity. 
he portrays a narrator puzzled by the complexities of visual art, eventually accepting the fact that beauty is truth, truth, beauty, that is all you know on earth, and all you need to know. Other ways he used negative capability was to once contemplate a bird on a gravel path and said that he could conceive a billiard ball taking a sense of delight in its own roundness, smoothness, volubility, and the rep- rapidity of its motion, said by Keats. After learning about John Keats, my co-host and I decided to challenge ourselves by writing a Shakespearean sonnet in his style. This sonnet is called Hope and Despair, and I'll conduct a reading of it now. I watch myself within the broken shards. Difficulty lies in avoiding pain. I cannot escape these doors with guards. Only my loss and grief truly remains. It commenced with the slow passage of time, the plague of despair left behind their dreams. The brutal death of breath does not decline, from the ill lungs to today's wheeze, it seems. Confined at home with a shadow nearby, no place left to go, no place left to hide. Just let me soar high like a dragonfly. Do not let this tragic twilight divide. The puncture in my deltoid is the cure. This isolation is not as secure. When writing this poem, we use prominent themes and literary devices that Keats employed in his writing, such as imagery related to nature, symbolism, and illusions. We hope that by reading this poem, you have developed a deeper understanding of Keats's poetic style. All in all, John Keats had a winding life and a tremendous influence on today's literature. We hope that you learned something new in today's episode. Remember that literature is the past, present, and future of our world. Make sure to tune in next week to learn more about another prominent figure in literature.